The guards looked confused. The gate shook. Something pounded on them from outside. The storm has come, Wit said, standing up. The guards scrambled for spears left leaning beside the wall. They had a guardhouse, but it was empty. They preferred the night air. The gate shook again, as if something enormous were outside. The guards yelled, calling to the men atop the wall. All was chaos and confusion as the gate thumped yet a third time, powerful, shaking, vibrating as if hit with a boulder. Then, a bright silvery blade rammed between the massive doors, slicing upwards, cutting the bar that held them close. A shard blade. Heroes of presents StormPod, a Stormlight Archive podcast. Book One, The Way of Kings. This is just a quick spoiler warning for the epilogue. Oh my word. The epilogue of most worth. Are we really at the very end of this season? Oh, wow. Well, thank you very much for joining us this entire time. We really appreciate it. So if you have not got here in your reading yet, go back and make sure you are all cut up. Though the epilogue probably doesn't ruin too much, but I still want you to be in the right place at the right time. And if you are those two things... Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Sean Q. And if I was ever asked what a man values most, I would say that it's my co-host. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Jack. What's up, man? (laughs) Well, right back at you. Right back at you, Thanks, dude. Uh, We are doing our very final episode of season three for The Way of Kings. How does it feel? (sighs) been a lot it's 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 been a journey it has been it has been We're... it has been a journey actually actually i i, I kind of wanted to begin with can you feel it can you feel it can you feel it it's good Get i can the jackson's feel it. in here because because the epilogue that we're covering the first line is can you feel it <laughs> um that 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 wit is saying and and i remember after after reading about the the ending of the of the previous chapter mm-hmm. And officially ending the book, really. Right. And and I was thinking, wow, you know, geez, like what's what's the epilogue going to contain? Right. And so the first line I read, I was like, oh, can you feel it? I'm like, yes, you know. And Wits uh, saying this uh, on an on an open night, something just changed. And I was, as a first time reader, when when I'm reading this, I'm like, wow, like he's indicating that you know things are going to get better, and, and, right. like, and this is good, and <laughs> right. and then and then so I'm I'm in in my mind, I'm actually hearing the Jackson Five, I'm right. hearing the Jacksons. Can you feel it? I, I'm dancing, and all of a sudden, Brandon, Mister Sanderson says, "I believe that's the sound the world makes when it pisses itself." <laughs> yeah, and so and so, just in those couple of sentences, I went from "Can you feel it?" You know, Dalinar. You know, he yeah, he's he's he's, he's with Nirvana finally. 
He doesn't give yeah, a Bridge shit. Yeah, Bridge 4 is amazing. Yeah, Giovanni's <laughs> yeah. happening. I'm yeah. like, can you feel it? Yes, I can feel it. Yeah. Oh, but that's well, the world. That's when the world pisses itself. I so I, I think <laughs> this just, line. Just in one sentence, yeah. I went from <laughs> way up, whoa, way down. So it's a perfect line, though. Mr. Sanderson does it again. Right? It's a perfect line. Like wit. Um, this character has a way of being able to say something profound, well, comedic, in like all in one stroke. Oh, yeah. And it's, he's true. Something did just change. And yeah. And it's it, when he says this, that's the sound of the world pissing itself. It sort of makes yeah. sense, right? <laughs> like it's, it's, it's just perfect. Oh my gosh. Well, this, uh, <laughs> so I, I had the wind sort of taken out of my sails a little bit when I was, I, I, when I was reading that for the yeah. first time, this epilogue titled of most worth. Mm-hmm. Very apropos, considering the conversation, Wit stands outside, or not stands, but he meets up with these three guards outside of the city gates. Yeah. I'm Colinar, and he props himself up on some boxes that are there, and he begins playing a musical instrument, a square yeah, called... instrument, which I'm sure will be in the in the dump, but... Um, uh, um, yeah, it's... Uh, shit, where is it? It's an enthier. It's an enthier. An enthier, yeah. And then theater, a square stringed instrument. But he gets on top of these boxes and these guards are like, you know, what's what's with the guy that's just, you know, coming out of the shadows and sits yeah. up on the box? Like, what's with this guy? Um, but he has a bit of a conversation with them, which is really, really fascinating in this epilogue. Um, it's awesome. It's, I it's love really it so cool. much. The men regarded wit with worry. I thought that was interesting. That their yeah, instinct well, with him was worry. He's just this weird, kooky man who's like just. And the, one of the things too is that he's a light eyes, but he doesn't look like a light eyes too, right? So well, the way it's the, 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 this is interesting. The, the, it's well, I, I think his presence is um, can be very off putting, especially when he's greeting you uh, to dinner by insulting you, <laughs> which which we've seen him do. Yeah. Um, but it it says here that crazy man, well, meaning himself, happened to be tonight to have blue eyes, which let him get away with all kinds of trouble. Right. I thought that was funny. Uh, perhaps Wit should have been bemused by the stock these people put in something as simple as eye color. But as he had, um, but he had seen, sorry, but uh, but he had been many places and seen many methods of rule, and this didn't seem any more ridiculous than most others. <laughs> So he's, he certainly has his opinions with him. And the guards are saying, Bright Lord, and they're trying to get his attention. And this is when he's stringing, he's plucking this instrument a little bit. Bright Lord, they, they repeat, what are you doing up there? Yeah. Waiting. Waiting for the storm to arrive, which also makes the guards even more uncomfortable. Right. A high storm was not expected on this night, but you, <laughs> but you never know. Yeah. Let's have, let's have a conversation to pass the time. Tell me, what is it that men value in others? And the two are sort of taken aback by this, you know, largely philosophical question and, you know, quite a, a big It's one of the reasons why he's question. so off-putting, right? He's he's coming up with this really deep question, but he's like this, like, goofball. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Right. Well, the guards don't really know what to say. And mm-hmm. so um, Wit asks, well, what what do you think? If a man and a woman have uh, were to have a talent, which would be the most revered? best regarded, considered of the most worth. 
and one of them answers, er, music? <laughs> Which, of course, speaks to my speaks to my heart. So, sure, music. Yes, a common answer, Wit says. And so I think it speaks to Hoyd's heart. It speaks to Wit's heart as well, I think. Right. I think the guard is maybe saying that because... Uh, Wit is playing an or instrument Hoyd, right honestly. now, or Hoyd. Um, he's playing mm-hmm. an instrument right now, so I think it's like uh, it's got to be music, right? Because you're playing an instrument. Yeah. Uh, music. <laughs> <laughs> um, what? Uh, so he says, I once asked this question of some very wise scholars: What do men consider the most valuable of talents? One mentioned artistic ability, as you so keenly guessed. Another mm. chose great intellect. The final chose the talent to invent. The ability to design and create marvelous devices. Mm-hmm. Aesthetic genius, Wit says, invention, acumen, creativity, noble ideals indeed. Most men would pick one of those, if given the choice, and name them the greatest of talents. He plucks the string on this instrument and he says, what beautiful liars we are. Yeah. <laughs> I, love, I love how he takes delight in the, I guess, I don't, I'm not sure how to put it, but the... The underbelly the most, of human society. Yeah. Like just the, 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 like, the innermost nature of what it is to be a human being. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah. And, and he relishes there. He, yeah. he kind of gets right in there and he's like, mm. ah, it was such, what beautiful <laughs> lies we, 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 we tell ourselves. I was, I was, you know, not really understanding where he was going with this. Um, <clears throat> and then the guards are obviously perplexed. You think I'm a cynic? He says, you think I'm going to tell you what men claim to value these, what men claim to value these ideals, but secretly prefer base talents, the ability to gather coin or to charm women? Well, I am a cynic, but in this case, I actually think those scholars were honest. Their answers speak for the souls of men in our hearts. We want to believe in and would choose great accomplishments and virtue. That's why our lies, particularly to ourselves, are so beautiful. I like how he's speaking so much truth, but the way he's saying it is like, these guys are like, who the fuck is this guy? Yeah. Right. What's with this guy in the box? <laughs> right. right. What's, on, what's on the box? What's, what's on, on the, the box? box? Um, thanks, Chris Helmer, for ruining that for me in grade 10. Um, a little <laughs> shout out. Uh, <laughs> but um, he, the, uh, Wit is playing this Anthea but he's not really playing it. He's just plucking uh, nonsensical notes, almost like he's tuning it, but he's not actually tuning it. He's not playing mm. an actual melody. He's just sort of plucking at it, which is almost more haunting than if he was playing an actual song. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. At the end of the speech is when he actually starts to play a real song. Correct. Right. A song for a silent night when the entire world changed. Literally, mm-hmm. a song <laughs> made specifically for this exact, exact moment, which is m- exact wild <laughs> that he could just come up with it like that. Yeah. Well, he's been planning it for months. Right. Obviously. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's waiting. He yeah. knows it's, you know, he's waiting. So he knows all of this right. that's about to come. Um, so, so the guard uh, asks Wit again. So, so what is, or rather asks him, so what is the most valuable talent a man can have? I haven't the faintest right. idea. <laughs> I love that. Right. So th- this is the funny part. As you just said, 
Wit's waiting here because he knows something great's about to happen in this moment, in this spot. Right. But he doesn't right. know the answer to the own, the, the question he's even asking to these guys, right? Like he doesn't even no, know. No, he asked to. them. Right. Yeah. And actually, and they also got it wrong because he says, fortunately, that wasn't the question. I didn't ask right. what was most valuable. I asked what men value most. Right. The difference between those questions is as both tiny and as vast as the world itself. So great. <laughs> I just love this. Um, he says, in this, as in all things, our actions give us away. If an artist creates a work of powerful beauty using new and innovative techniques, she will be lauded as a master and will launch a new movement in aesthetics. Yet what if another, working independently with that exact level of skill, were to make the same accomplishments the very next month? Would she find similar acclaim? No. She'd be called derivative. Intellect. If a great thinker develops a new theory of mathematics, science, or philosophy, we will name him wise... We will sit at his feet and learn, and we'll record his name in history for thousands upon thousands to revere. But what if another man determines the same theory on his own, then delays in publishing his results by a mere week? Will he be remembered for his greatness? No, he will be forgotten. Invention. A woman builds a new design of great worth, some fabriole or feat of engineering. She will be known as an, in as an innovator. But if someone with the same talent creates the same design a year later, not realizing it has already been crafted, will she be rewarded for her creativity? No. She'll be called a copier and a forger. It's really cool, eh? So he's getting at something here pretty pretty deep, yeah. What do you um, um what do you think about about this? Because we've seen this in our in our world many times. Mm -hmm. Yeah, oh yeah. Um, we could go, um, in the realm of invention, right? Like people, you know, Alexander Graham Bell invented the telephone and then literally somewhere around the world, someone no. else invented the telephone within weeks right. or something. Right. But right. the, the more pop culture reference to this is that you have bands or movies kind of spring up at the same time with the same kind of content, right? Sure. You have a, yeah. an explosion of three or four bands coming out of the same city, all at the same city, time, yeah. yep. punk same. rock in the seventies, grunge in the nineties. You have these mm -hmm. like moments where like-minded people are awesome. creating things all at the same time. Right. Mm -hmm. So I've, um, so I've got, I've got quite a few things to say about this, this sort of thing. The first, first thing I'll say is I'm a big proponent of the plurality of truth. Right. You've mentioned this before on the show. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm a big um, proponent of that way of thinking. And so when, when someone, so I, I, I so how do, how do I put this? I personally don't have the issue that wit is speaking about. So the, the way that one would um, dismiss um, an entire work of art uh, because it's derivative. So I'm not quite like that. Like I, I, um, so for instance, I can give you a relatively modern example. It is a musical example, but, uh, Greta Van Fleet. Right. Rock, rock and roll band comes out and, uh, sounds a lot like Led Zeppelin. And in right. terms of, in terms of the press that was given to them, the reviews in Pitchfork and, and Rolling Stone, at least in my personal opinion, when I read those reviews, they completely eviscerated this band. They, um, they were making all the claims that Witt is saying that because it's derivative, because it sounds similar to um, some mm -hmm. of the music of, of Led Zeppelin, then that that must mean Greta Van Fleet is not a good artist, or at least right. not worthy of our attention. 
And I completely vehemently disagree with it. I listened to the Greta Van Fleet record and the subsequent following record, and it's good music. Mm-hmm. So, it, so for me personally, I don't have wits, what wit is getting at. Okay, let me let me reframe it a second here, okay? Because yeah. Greta Van Fleet, Led Zeppelin, it's a good example, though they're separated by like 35 years of time, right? Correct. So yep. mm-hmm. um, I, what he's saying here is that someone comes up with something and then someone comes up with something almost in the same time and the person, mm-hmm. who, the person who did it first gets the applause, the person who did it second doesn't. So here's a, here's a good example. Right. Um, Armageddon with Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck or Deep Impact. Mm-hmm. Which movie was better? Um I think I saw one of those. Right. And it was probably Armageddon. So no, I didn't. Actually no. I avoided that like the plague. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I guess my example it, it got poo-poo. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry but... to, to all the Armageddon fans out there. I just if it's got Ben, I just uh I got to I got to take it with that. Uh, those are fighting I got to proceed with um, caution. But I, I think that uh, um, there, there's a long history of these movies that come out around the same time. You know, you have The Matrix, you have Existence, you have, um, like uh, like I said, Armageddon and Deep Impact, and then you have, like, mm-hmm. these movies that are very similar. Like, two meteor movies come out at the same time. Two uh, movies about tornadoes come out within two months of each other, and, and it's mm-hmm. probably more having to do with one studio finds out another studio is doing a movie about a tornado, so they're yeah. like, let's do one about one too. Right, but, sure. So my, my, my short answer to that is that... I would pro- more than likely enjoy both and laud the merits of both in right. the experience of the art. So that's me. And again, I just, I just don't have this problem that wit is, um, is outlining here. Now, mm-hmm. I, do I agree that wit is correct, that many people do have this kind of thing? Right. Yes. Many people get really hung up on who's first, um, you know, where it came from. And I mean, who's first, that's where the, the facts change over time. Right. So mm-hmm. it could be Alexander Graham Bell today. Right. And then tomorrow you're going to find out that it isn't. Right. Does that take away from either person's accomplishments? No, not really. It, it just, it just, it just alters the facts a little bit. Inventions right? different than, um, than album writing or novel writing or, mm. or whatever. I think that our examples mm. are more pop culture, but in invention, yeah. I think oh, yeah. it matters most who comes first, right? Now let's, let's shift this for a second here and talk about what does mm. this have to do with this novel? What do you think, what do you think Witt's <laughs> talking about here with this book in this series? Well, that's a really good question. Um, mm. I don't really... Well, he could be alluding to that time um, may not be as significant a factor, or at least the same kind of way that we experience it in our lives. It could be that there's more transition between these states of being, like uh, like right. with regards to the like the desolations and um, um, like um, I don't know. You put me on the spot with that one. I have a couple of thoughts about it. Mm-hmm. One, mm-hmm. I think this could be referring to Kaladin. Kaladin okay. is the first to seemingly exhibit some kind of power. And then after we see Kaladin 
do it. Yeah. We find out that Yasna and Shalon also might have some kind of power going on with them as well. But because mm-hmm. to us, the reader, Kaladin came first, he might always be special in our hearts because he was the first one. It's kind of like, I'm stretching so it a little again, bit, yeah, but yeah. that's so one I, of the I, thoughts I, I had. So I, I, I may be at a disadvantage in even in, in discovering that kind of thing in the book because I just don't think that way. Right. Like you I don't, also don't have you know any I mean? context like I, other than this book. So that you're at a disadvantage right. that way. The yeah. other, the other metaphor I think that it could be referring to, and this is a stretch as well, but I, I'm going to say it anyways, mm. is that mm-hmm. because the way of Kings was the first novel we read, we will always see it uh, better mm-hmm. than the rest of the novels because <laughs> right, it was the first. Right. Yeah. Now that right. doesn't necessarily mean it's the better novel, but it'll always hold a special place in our hearts because it was the right. first one. So, and you and I have talked about this and I have chatted with some of the uh, folks on the, um, on discord, discord about this, about this fact, because when I was finding out about what others thought about what was, what was their favorite book, I was really shocked to find out that it ran the gamut with regards to the four books that are out there for the Stormlight Archives. Mm -hmm. And maybe I shouldn't have been surprised at that, but I guess it's because I'm only familiar with the way of Kings and it's such a great book. That yeah. I, I'm having a hard time uh, believing that it can get better. Attributing, yeah, I really am. I'm having a hard time looking into the future, and I'm excited for the summer to get onto right. Words of Radiance. But I'm really, I'm quite shocked that you know I could read another book by the same author, and it will actually be just as impressive or or better right. in terms of the experience. That's a really exciting prospect. Uh, yeah, way to way to look into the future. Yeah. Um. But I do. I do. I, I didn't really connect it in terms of the book, but that's interesting with regards to the, to the, to the, to the book. That's uh, that's that's really cool. I I like that. I was um. I was kind of maybe wondering uh, just now that maybe he's setting up, um, setting up the replace uh, or how do I how would I put it the that Kaladin might be replaced or that Dalinar might be replaced in the future books with regards okay. to the significance of their impact. Right. So you're right. Kaladin was first in many ways. Kaladin's first, Yasna's first, uh, Shallan's first, um, Dalinar's first with regards to these characters and, and their, what they're struggling to fight against. But in subsequent novels, perhaps um, that all, that won't always be the case. Right. I don't, I don't know, but, uh, but that, that could be. So he wraps up his little thing here by saying, and so in the end, what we must determine, is it the intellect of a genius that we revere? If it were their artistry, their beauty of their mind, we would not laud it regardless of whether or not we'd seen their product before. Right. Which is what we're saying. Right. But we don't. Given two works of artistic majesty. Otherwise weighted equally, we will give greater acclaim to the one who did it first. It doesn't matter what you created. It matters what you create before anyone else. So it's not the beauty itself we admire. It's not the force of intellect. It's not invention or capacity itself. The greatest talent that we think a man can have seems to be nothing more than novelty, which is really, really cool. Well, it's really, really cool. It also really reduces things. So, so really, 
so when I read this for the first time, I thought of, you know, a kid. I want, I want a pony. I want, I want a windmill. I want a bobble. Yeah. I want a whiz bang. I want a new whiz bang. After I get the new whiz bang, I want the newest whiz bang. Right. So the whiz bang factor of novelty, I've definitely been a victim of. And like, I'm right. You can look around. Surrounded my, my, by whiz bang. <laughs> I'm surrounded by whiz bang. Right. So I'm definitely, uh, interested i suppose in <clears throat> in novelty but i don't again i don't have that part where he's comparing two artistic works they're very similar and attributing to the one who came first so again if i speak to music you know like in industrial music you know skinny puppy was doing things way before anyone else but when nine inch nails came on the scene even though skinny puppy might have been trailblazing and i'm sure that there are plenty of bands before that you know they were sure right. but i mean it doesn't take away one iota from my enjoyment of right of, of both. Not nine inch nails of both like it just it just doesn't it just doesn't factor yeah. in for me but i understand that it is part of the human condition i suppose is what mm. i understand i just don't connect with it right so but the, uh yeah so then we get so, to this yeah, big so moment <laughs> here at the end of this epilogue where um the the gate starts to shake this is so cool. I, my favorite line with this moment is the gate shook again as if something enormous were outside. <laughs> I really, really like that. Yeah. Because as it turns out, a silver, a silvery blade rams in between these massive doors, slicing yeah. it upwards and cutting the bar that held them together. It was a shard blade. And outside the gates is standing on the dark stone roadway a solitary man with dark skin. His hair is long and matted, his clothing nothing more than a ragged sackcloth length of cloth wrapping around his waist. He stood with head uh, head bowed, wet, ratty hair hanging down over his face, mixing it with a beard that had bits of wood and leaves stuck yeah. in it. His muscles glistened, uh, wet as if he'd just swum a great distance. So... I recognize the name from this. You do, do you? I, I do. I think, at least I think I do. Okay. I recognize part of the name. I don't think I recognize the Ellen part. So, Wit, when he sees this this person appear, says, Welcome, lost one. Right. And the guards are calling out to him, Who are you? The figure completely ignore, ignores them. And, um, um, I think it's wit that tell. No, it's actually the figure that tells the guards. Says, "Go, run, raise the call, give them the warning." Who are you? Uh, the guards are saying, "What warning? Who attacks?" The man pauses, raises a hand to his head, wavering. "Who am I? I am Talonel Ellen, Stone Sinew, Herald of the Almighty. The desolation has come. It has come, and I have failed." <laughs> so. I recognize the name Talonel from the beginning of the book. Right. From So in 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 the prelude. The epilogue. Or the prelude. Yeah, 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 right. It's this it was in the epilogue. prelude. So yeah. in yeah. in here in the I, prelude, have, I have it right here. Beginning. Let me read it to you. So Okay. Cause I, these blades yeah, were weapons I, of power beyond even shard blades. These are the weapons that are all stuck in the ground at the very beginning of the book. Right. With Kalak and uh, Mhm. 
The figure in white and blue glanced towards him. Even after all these centuries, Yezrian looked young, a man barely into his 30th year, his short black beard neatly trimmed. He folded his arms beneath his back and turned to Kalak, which is the name that Teft always uses uses in his swears. Right. Mm -hmm. What is this, Yezrian? Where are the others? Departed. Yezrian's voice was calm, deep, regal. Though he hadn't worn a crown in centuries, his royal manner manner lingered. He always seemed to know what to do. You might call it a miracle. Only one of us died this time. Right. Talonel, Kalek said. Yes, he died holding the passage by the northern waterway. So then I'm going to say this. I'm going to skip a little bit. Kalek says... You got to stop there with the waterway. With the waterway. Yeah. He's dripping wet when he gets here. Right. So he died in the waterway... Right. Right. Yeah. So, so then he says, uh, Kalak says, they see us as divinities. They rely upon us, Yezrian. What, where, uh, we're all they have. They have the radiance. That'll be enough, Yezrian mm. says. Kalak shook his head. Mm-hmm. He will not remain bound by this, the enemy. He will find a way around it. You know he will. Perhaps, the king of the heralds says, and Taln, which is the nickname for Talonel, the mm-hmm. flesh burning, the fires, the pain over and over and over and over. Better than one man should suffer than ten, whispered Yezrian. Right. It has been decided, Kalak. We will go our ways and we will not seek one another. Our blades must be left. The oath pack ends now. Right. So, in some desolation a long time ago, Talon died and went right. to... Um, Talonel. He yeah. went to the, uh, what's that place called? The, um, hell, they call it, um, fuck, oh, Damnation. No. Having a blank. Damnation. Yes, Damnation, yeah. Yeah, um, so Talon dies and goes to Damnation because the Oath Pact means that one herald has to go to Damnation in order to keep the enemy at bay. Right. And now he is back. Who am I? I am Talonel Elin, Stone Sinew, Herald of the Almighty. The desolation well, has come. So, wait, whoa, whoa. Does that mean that he, the world where all these characters are is damnation? Um, well, the in the beginning of the book, uh, when they die, they go to damnation. And they have to right. suffer in damnation. Fire, the burning over and over and over again. Right. And by being in damnation supplements this oath pack this ability to keep the enemy at bay which is they said at the beginning the enemy will find a way around this he'll he always does and then Mm. now talonel elin is back on roshar or so this crazy man with a shard blade says right right. says says so yeah right so yeah yeah it's pretty, uh, it's pretty neat. I love how, uh, um, Wit closes out this, uh, epilogue yeah. here and he says, the man who named himself the Herald did not move. What is it we value? Wit whispered, innovation, originality, novelty, but most importantly, timeliness. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I fear you may be too late, my confused, unfortunate friend. Yeah. The <laughs> yeah. end of book one of the Stormlight Archive. Yeah. And we're done, dude. Amazing. We're done. Yeah, dude. I mean, like, I I really I love the inclusion of wit at the end and the and the tal the talonel thing. I did catch it, mm-hmm. um, but what I was curious about was that um, when he died, and now that he's here, you know, I guess this corporeal realm of, well, I'm assuming, yeah, of uh, of Roshar, 
see, I thought he, he left that place where he died <clears throat> and then came here right. to Roshar. Well, they, they so go somewhere when they there might've been an, in, right. So they go to damnation, mm-hmm. but then from damnation to here. Now, yeah. if that's, if I have it right. I don't it sounds really about know. right. I mean, as far as what we know right now, that seems right, but things can change in the next book. Like we might get more explanation mm-hmm. of stuff and so I'm literally mm-hmm. just reading to you what we have in this book. I'm not right. trying to imply right. anything uh, um uh, right, else. right. The only other thing that we should cover here is this end note after the um Sure, yeah. The end note is This is the the the, the uh, key yeah. tech poetry, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. So above silence the illuminating storms, dying storms illuminate the silence above. So we discovered right. er- earlier in our pod that um actually I think the episode that we discovered it came out this week. It came out yesterday, I think. Where mm. you and I both I I stumbled upon it. I I had read of this book for six like six times or whatever and it's the first time I realized that the parts of the books all spelled right. out this Katek and it was like, um, you know, like perfectly symmetrical, which blew my mind at the time. But right. the best part of it is that this is a death rattle. This is a dying delirium by someone, you know, the uh, complete poem must form a sentence, but it says the fact that this one was uttered by an illiterate dying Herdazian in a language he barely spoke should be of particular right. note. So this is like right. all the ones that we've been reading all book, the ones that Teravangian has been forcing from these dying people in his secret right. room. Um, so yeah, mm-hmm. it's cool. It's like, it was like, it, is really it cool. was like stitched I through love... the book without us really knowing it. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. I, I, I also think that the um, inclusion of this sort of palindrome component, which I was mentioning, I guess, uh, as well on the, um, on the uh, discord uh, chat, mm-hmm. but um I really think that it speaks to um, the beginning and ending of things as being inextricably linked and also very similar to one another. Right. You know, journey before destination. Like, you know, you know that like because everything sort of mirrors itself or goes through this transition, but ultimately run in reverse, it's quite similar almost exact. So that idea I really find is neat with when I started thinking about the characters. Right. And their, uh, and their journeys. So we'll see if, if any of these, uh, characters end up having a bit of a, you know, you know, sort of a key tech, uh, uh, progression. It makes sense because we have these, the Roshar exhibits or, or, or goes through these moments where, um, civilization is built up. And then the desolation mm-hmm. destroys it. And when the desolation mm-hmm. destroys it, it's end of this civilization, but it's the beginning of a new one. Right. Right. Yeah, so it's, it's mm-hmm. interesting. It's cool. Yeah. So the only no, it's, info it's... dump I have here was what we said earlier. Was the instrument? The, <laughs> the instrument. I looked it up and it's not an actual instrument. Yeah, it's not a real oh. instrument in the world, which is funny because oh, no, no, no. earlier in the pod, bones. we, um, like, uh, you know, I don't know, like... 35 episodes ago. <laughs> wow. I can't believe I just said that. Has it um, 35 been? episodes ago, we had a zither, which is an actual instrument in the mm-hmm. real world. Um, uh, we mm-hmm. uh, made jokes that it was a Dr. Seuss thing, but um, uh, right. this the here, the end theory is not, 
I uh, Googled it and it's not an actual instrument in in our world. So it must be one in their world. It's a square boxy uh, musical instrument that he's playing. And it says that you mm-hmm. put it on your lap and you play it that way. So there's a, there's yeah like earth instruments that are like that, but it's just not, they're not called entheers. So, right. Yeah. So that's the info dump. Um, so yeah. Um, what's your highlight epilogue. for this epilogue? Highlight for me for the epilogue. Oh boy. I suppose it would be, Hmm. That's a good one. I suppose it would be, um, the, revelation at the end when it uh well actually no it's just it's just wit's um wit's way of of putting things yeah his um his discourse with the with the soldiers and really the 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 conversation with regards to art or with regards to art and then acumen and and invention mm-hmm. and then with regards to um it being novelty that is what uh, men uh, value most right um, that's a fascinating conversation for me. It's a huge conversation. And, uh, whereas I may not, uh, I, I definitely exhibit it, you know, it's just, I didn't, um, I don't, I, I, at least I, I'm aware of it. So I don't think that I've, I fall into that category as often as maybe some others do. Against so. your better instinct, you know, against your instincts, you try to, you know. Correct. Yeah, you try, I try to, to keep keep be, myself be uh, out, out of that way of uh, mm. of being, I guess. But it's fascinating that he that he brings it up novelty and mm. novelty. Yeah, it's it's. I really like what you said, what you said about it. Really, is that it it like can you apply that to the future of the series? <clears throat> and I suppose you know, I the way I the way I see it is you're you're I'm being introduced to this new character Talonel, right. Uh, well, I mean, having him be referred to at the beginning of the of the of the novel, but but here he is at the end, and that's the novelty. Mm. This is the whiz bang. This is the bauble. Right. The bauble is Telenel. Right. And what does that mean going forward? So yeah, you know, give give the audience what they want. They want another bauble. Okay. Well, here right. it is. Here's right. a new character. Yeah. Right. Um, uh, so. My highlight is um, a little bit with that, actually. It, it's piggybacking on that a little bit. I I love the fact that he began this book with the death of Talonel mm-hmm. and what it means for this oath pack and these heralds. And now we mm-hmm. end this book with his rebirth, his return. We're not really sure mm. whether or not sure. this guy who's stumbling in here is Talonel, the Herald, Stone Sinew. Right. Um, whether or not he is, let's assume that he is. This is bookended yeah. to this book really, really nicely. The The death of Talonel and the return of Talonel. And yeah. what could it really have anything to do with? We asked that question at the beginning. What is What are these characters with these swords in the ground and the death of this one guy? What does this have to do with the rest of this book? And what is his right. return, seemingly his return, have to do with the rest of the series. So I really like how right. it's very symmetrical. <laughs> it is very symmetrical. Right. Yes, it is. Yeah. yeah. So um, that's the end of our coverage for the epilogue. We have something very, very special planned here. Um, we are going to be throwing it to a segment that we have recorded with uh, one of our patrons known as Joel. Joel from Colorado, also known as AKA Wake Rider, AKA Santa Cruz. <laughs> He's one of our buds. Um, he has been on the Discord. He's been compiling all of Jack's predictions and theories for the mm. whole season. 
And we are going to do a, uh, a a system of uh, vetting these theories and whether or not Jack was right, Jack was wrong, uh, or whether or not the result wrong. of that is still pending. Because there's some stuff that you we that might not get revealed in this book so far that's still pending. So we're going to go throw right. it to that segment, and we'll come back a little later after that and do a wrap up. So here we are. Uh, we have this special segment here. Um, we uh, um, wanted to talk about theories and predictions. Jack's made a lot of theory and a lot of predictions throughout this I, uh, season I, of. Uh, I have. You have you, you uh, everything uh, under the sun. You've talked about, and so fortunately, we have a, a good friend of the show, um, patron, um, a fellow uh, a fantasy enthusiast, Joel from Colorado. Hey, what's going on, Joel? Hey guys, thanks for hey, having Joel. me. How are you? So Great Joel's to be been, here. So Joel's been Great compiling this list um, on Discord of all the times that Jack has been saying, uh, making a prediction or a theory on something that's going to happen later on in the book. And I thought it would be, I mean, the fact that you put the effort to do this is a huge compliment to us. So thank you very much, Joel, for doing this. This is amazing. Oh, more than happy to do it. It's, uh, it's just a really good time, um, you know, keeping track of what Jack is predicting throughout the books. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we all kind of know what's going to happen. Those, those of us that have uh, been reading right. for a long time. And so it's fun to check that out and then, uh, and then talk about it on the discord with uh, the other patrons and, and, for either, sure. you know, make fun of Jack or, uh, or be impressed by him. One of the two. So what kind of like, am, am, am I going to receive a score at the end of this? Like some yeah. kind of a, yeah, I thought the way we would do this is uh, Joel will present the prediction or the, the theory. Yeah. Um, and then you can kind of give us an idea of where your headspace might have been at. It might yeah. be hard for you to remember, but you can give us an, an idea where your headspace was at yeah. when yeah. you said that. And then I will, as the uh, um, <clears throat> as the uh, uh, the person who needs to also speak in this moment, <laughs> I will um, give you a passing grade, a failing grade or uh an up in the air grade because some of the stuff is not resolved yet and will spill over into the next books so okay um yeah so we uh i, I just i really love this idea and it's great i mean any excuse to have joel on i think is is great so um so uh so what's your first uh what's your first thing on this list that you made one of the very first predictions uh of the entire podcast was uh one that you guys have already talked about a little bit the outcome of this but um this is that jack predicts um that amram made kaladin a slave to possibly protect him from something else i um, remember yeah he, yes, he I first remember this. he first mentions it all the way back in episode three he comes back to it in episode 13 um and then even in episode 25 he's still kind of clinging to this belief right. yes that, that this is the case right that is very true. I, I, I remember that very distinctly. Uh, well, I, I mean, it, it was, I think, born out of uh, a desire, I guess, within me as the reader that not all of these light eyes could be so evil or so despicable. So I was just trying to almost like preserve a small corner of those that are light eyes uh, that could maybe live up to uh Kaladin's um uh I, I suppose his uh his aspirations yeah for 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 anyone in his life to you know to be a, a I guess a symbol of hope and, and honor um so that's I think what I was doing there I mean I think that I can answer that in terms of like I got it 
not so right <laughs> not so right no <laughs> maybe i won't admit that i got it wrong just right not so right no i'm just but, it's that but you did find that hope uh, a little bit um which from what you're seeing in dalinar which is kind of cool and when you made yes. this prediction you hadn't met dalinar yet so um that's, you know there's yeah, a little bit fair. of there's a little bit of um redemption there in that right okay well yeah, I, the I, kaladin I, the kaladin actually did find the person who was the honorable light eyes um, but it just wasn't the guy you thought it was. <laughs> right. Um, I, I had a really hard time not laughing out loud at you and like when, calling when that you was predicting when was... that was predicted. Yeah. I was like, Oh my God, you can't just wait. Amram is the worst. Oh, I, well, I, I knew it was over when I was reading it and I was reading about the red rug. Right. Right. Then, I, scene... then, then I just knew, I said, the tensions building here, something really bad is about to happen. So, um, so yeah, so that the grade we have to give to this well, is wrong. <laughs> and unfortunately, damn it, hates being wrong, which I, we know. Yeah, I, I don't like it. Well, I, I, I'll, I'll have to concede, I suppose, to this one, gentlemen. Um, I did get it wrong. However, I will still stipulate that 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 having Amaram have if he if he had played that role of having Kaladin, you know, um, subjugated branded taken out of the of the uh um army um for the purpose of protecting him i still say that that would would have been also an interesting story i think you know when i when i hear you've said this to me before on the pod and i feel like this is that moment when you're reading a novel mm -hmm. and a novel goes a specific way and you were thinking it was going to go a different way yeah. And I think that's what ends up creating authors. Authors are born from that moment when you're reading a book and the story didn't go the way you wanted it to. And so you're <laughs> like, I'm going to write a story that goes that other direction that I imagined <laughs> in my head. You know what else that creates? Dungeon Masters. That totally does. It totally does. Pissed off Dungeon Masters when your yeah. players don't go where you want them to go. Yeah. Of which I am a veteran. So you know what? Maybe I'll take my little Amaram story and slide it into one of the future games. Yeah. Them. There you go. Yeah. Your your next party is all going to be uh, put into slaves for their own good. <laughs> right. Yeah. So what do you got okay. next, Joel? Uh, the next little prediction here. Um, Jack is uh, convinced that uh, Zeth is up to something when he hides the black stone that Gavilar gives him um, upon his death. So not his oath stone, but the other black stone um, that is kind of uh, almost glowing black. And okay. um, yeah. Right. Right. Um, huh. Well, that's a pretty vague, vague prediction of mine. Right. I mean, uh, if I didn't expand on that, I certainly... I, I think you're right. It's probably my, my, I think after Amaram, I was just unable to trust anything that was going <laughs> on. And I was trying to read into absolutely everything, which was probably confusing me more than anything. But uh, I, I don't, I don't remember that, uh, that one either. Yeah. That's an early one, kind of obscure. Um, I'm going <clears> to <throat> give it a pending because oh. we haven't heard much about the block stone, the rest of this book. No, um, it's not the Oath Stone. We know that the no. Oath Stone gets used by um, Teravangian's underling and then uh, ultimately by Teravangian himself. Uh, but this other stone is not in the text again. So that one's pending. So no fail here, Jack. No fail. No fail. Okay. No well, fail. I'll, I will take it. 
All right. So on to the next, then um, this is an, this is another big one. So starting in episode nine, uh, this is the first time uh, that we, uh, that Jack is predicting that King Elicar has something to do with his own assassination attempt. Um, then, right. then uh, he, he follows that up in the same episode with the possibility that he could be trying to frame Dalinar for the assassination attempt. Wow. Um, that's early. So that's episode nine. Nine. Then episode 11, Jack doubles down um, on that prediction. Episode 12 is when Sadius is named High Prince of Information. And, um, and at that point, then Jack predicts not only um, is that the case, but then that this assassination attempt may be to get rid of Dalinar and the entire Colin house. Wow. This is, uh, well, that this was- is good, bud. That was fairly prescient then on on my end then because uh, because most of that turned out to be true. Right? Yeah, I um, mean, I, I mean, think... Elokar was responsible for the um, a part for, of the assassination, right? Attempt. But but he was trying to draw out those right. that might be willing to commit it. Correct. So he, right. So he wasn't trying to frame Dalinar. He really? wanted, he want what his ultimate goal was, which was what we found out at the end of that ju- t- chapter, Justice, right. is that Elokar wanted Dalinar to take his assassination, right. Assassins in the Dark, seriously. So if he cut the strap and made it look like someone had done it, someone else had done it, right. then maybe he would actually investigate the things that he was seeing. And we know that the things right. he's been seeing are symbol-headed creatures in the mirrors, yep. uh, mm-hmm. uh, um, potential Assassins in the Dark. So, um, so this, I, I'm going to give you a, a pass on this. This is a, this is a bang on uh, prediction. Um, you knew from the moment you read that piece that Elokar had something to do with this, whether yeah. he's not fully responsible because we yeah. know that there's still this pending <clears throat> crack gemstones in the armor, but um, bravo, Jack. Well, thank you. <laughs> really nice got, job on this I, one. It was impressive from the very start for sure. Well, there, there you go. I really, I, I mean, t- towards the end of the book, that confrontation between Dalinar and Elokar, <clears throat> that's something that will always stay with me when he, um, when he confronts his nephew and, uh, and, and treats him in the way that he does and uh, gets out all the answers, everything out in the open. That was a great moment. And uh, my prediction, while not 100% uh, sound, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I think I was feeling the whole, you know, being suspicious of every, of everybody and, and Elokar would have had access to, to his, um, to his, uh, his, his steed. Right. So it, it made sense that, that he was involved. I, I think I was kind of fuzzy on the, um, on the purpose though, but uh, great. I got, yeah, uh, that's cool. Very yep. good for you. So the next prediction, episode 10, yeah. and this is early on, um, and, mm. uh, and um, Jack predicts when the first time that we see uh, Kaladin encounter the Dun spheres when they shouldn't be done, Jack predicts that Kaladin is somehow, and this is his word, surging, and wow. uh, this has something to do with the, the light missing from the spheres earlier. That's crazy. Yeah, that seems to be one that I got kind of kind of right, right? I mean, the the spheres being done 
I seem to remember there being, yeah, it, it was Gaz. Gaz would notice, you know, how, like why these spheres are, aren't, uh, uh, have, have no more stormlight to them. And then uh, that's when I started to think about Kaladin being involved with that, being able to absorb this, um, this, uh, this stormlight. So I, I guess, I guess I kind of picked up on that one fairly easily, although I don't think I was, sh I, I definitely didn't know, I think at that time, what he could do with it at all. Of course. So, um, and in terms of the word surge, um, is it in this, in this series, uh, have we read about surge binding or do I know what that is? You've heard that term before. You're not necessarily sure how it applies to everything. Okay. But they okay. have definitely, there's a couple of scenes where uh, Nohadon, and the vision that Dalinar has of Nohadon, when he's speaking to his um, uh, advisor, he calls people pre Night's Radiance, he calls them surge binders. Right. So um, there's definitely, um, I mean, you somehow use the right language so um <laughs> yeah, I, i'm starting to believe that maybe you did pre-research before reading the book i, don't know. I did not i did not absolutely okay. not no i trust you i trust not. you no i've been in the dark and it's it's taken me a lot of effort to remember it's, it, dark, i've so. been in the dark and it is lonely here it is <laughs> it, it is kind of to be to be to be perfectly honest because i i uh i want to dive in and read more but i know that it's it's better when I'm discussing this with you, because then mm. I'm genuinely surprised. Yeah. Uh, so, so whenever we're covering it, it's, it's so much better when I, when I don't read ahead, but uh, yeah. just, just picking up on, on that one. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, I think my, I think I, I went full detective mode with this, with this novel, to be honest. And uh, great. That's what we want. Keep doing yeah, that. Yeah. That's, that's perfect. <laughs> What's uh, is great on this one then? Oh, it's, um, I mean, it is uh, an absolute right. He, uh -huh, he, uh -huh. he knew, I, I tried to steer him a little bit away from it too, because I didn't want, I mean, it's, it's really hard playing that, the role of, hey, that's a really good theory, but also consider this and that, because I mean, I have to play devil's advocate on both sides of it. So right, right. Um, I, uh, I commend you, you're getting a right grade on this one, because nice. I mean, I would almost give you an extra point, <clears throat> extra marks for using the word surge without even really, really knowing that it's going to apply later. So I'm going to actually totally write agree. down, I'm going to give you an actually another point here on the scale <laughs> for this one. Because remember I said I, the word surge? Yeah. Remember how we talked about how you were like, oh, I'm going to have a lot of these wrong. And I said, actually, you're going to have probably a lot of the minor ones wrong, but the main ones that are important, you're going to get right. And that was way more, I think, in my estimation. So right so that's why i'm giving you the extra point on this surge okay okay well that's that's good that's that's a good one that's a good one yeah so what's next there joel <laughs> all right um so same episode um we oh. see we see um the first death quote that happens in the story not in a not in um you know a, the beginning of a chapter yeah not uh, one of the uh, epigraphs or whatever it actually it actually happens and kaladin witnesses it um, and Jack's prediction is he says um, that he thinks that these uh, quotes are maybe being collected by surgeons. Hmm. I think surgeon. Oh yeah, yeah. I I I, re I remember that. Yeah, because well, because uh, I was thinking of Kaladin's father. Actually, to be honest with you, 
I don't, I don't know if I mentioned it in the episode, probably didn't, but it was, it was Liren that I was thinking about. I don't think you mentioned that, but, right. and, but and, that does make sense. And, and that, and that's who I was thinking about when, when I, when I read it for the first time was, well, perhaps, perhaps Kaladin's father has something to do with these uh, death quotes, but I don't think I got to utter that into the, into the episode, but that would have been, I, I, I know that that's where I was thinking. And of course now, uh, so I definitely think that I definitely don't think you meant um, ladies in white with clipboards. No, um, no. But I def- I, no. when you said surgeons, I had the feeling that you were either going to say Liren, yep. Kaladin, who was a surgeon, yep. or someone like them on right. the battlefield would be taking them down as they were happening. Um, I yep. definitely don't think that you could have predicted um, a, ro- a secret room in Teravangian's castle. Um, but uh, I'm going to give you a I'm going to give you a a right mark on this because technically mm. there are surgeons taking these uh, these death these death rattles down. So these ladies in white with clipboards may not be surgeons; they might just be literally ladies in white with clipboards. <laughs> but I I have a feeling that they are medically trained. Uh, to be able to slowly let these victims die to be able to get the death rattle. So I'm going to give you the point on this one because, I mean, that's pretty impressive. That's that's like what that's like a haymaker or something. That's a haymaker. Like, I should have said I, I should have said frontline workers. That's what I should have said. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, that's definitely the reason that I wanted to include this one because while it was while I knew that you were thinking like battlefield surgeon or someone that was dealing like with medic, people dying, squad medic, or yeah, no, yeah, in yeah. war and stuff like that, I still <laughs> thought it was impressive that you said, "I wonder if it's surgeons." And I thought at the time, I thought, "Oh, he has no idea what's coming." But that's a pretty good. Oh guess, yeah, you know, that, uh, yeah. honestly, that 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 Teravangian reveal, as I was I was I was telling Sean earlier today uh, for the final episode, that reveal was like a. Um, a snowplow like it really that was the hardest um, hitting moment I think um, for me for this novel because I I didn't see it coming and I actually commented I remember in one of the episodes uh, when we were being introduced to Teravangian I commented on how much I liked his character how much I thought uh, you know what he was doing was uh, was amazing Uh, you know I was just speaking to his character wow that uh, I was just going to mention that just because that's one of the uh, most recent episodes that came out. Um, oh, so I was okay. thinking about that. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, you're saying, and I really like this Teravangian guy. He's spending time with all these people in his hospitals. He's building hospitals for all the people. Yeah. Such an amazing thing to do. A king yep. doesn't have to do that kind of stuff. And he's doing it. And I thought, oh man, poor Jack. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. Poor me. Yeah. I mean, I, I really. I got sideswiped by that, but I mean, I mean, you guys, I mean, re- reading it for the first time, did it have the same effect on on you both too? Like, when you were reading that for the first time, or or did you kind of guess? Absolutely blindsided me as well. Oh um, yeah, I just it just floored me. So I'm in the same boat, buddy. Same boat. Okay. I, I, all right, I think all right. I I think I said during the episode that um, I would be shocked and surprised if anyone saw that coming ever reading that book for the first time. Um, it's such yeah. a heel turn. Yeah. Um, so I, uh, yeah, I don't think anybody saw that coming. All right. So next one, um, episode 14. This is just when we're just kind of starting to uh, learn about Dalinar's visions a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it may be one of the first chapters where we, where we see them. Um, Jack 
specifically predicts that these visions are not a creation of Dalinar's own imagination, but that he is a, quote, witness to the events happening in the visions. Wow. And that was episode, which episode, Joel, was that? 14. 14. Huh. A witness. Yeah. It, Can I get a witness? <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it made sense, I suppose, to me that uh, uh, because why, I mean, if he's to learn a truth from something, you know, from, from a dream or something, it just, it, it seemed that if the events were real, that just made more sense to me, I suppose. So, and in, in that light, he was a witness. Yeah. So I, yeah. I think the more impressive part about that is uh, early on in the visions, Dalinar is interacting a lot with, um, with the visions, right? So they seem yeah. interactive. He's talking to people. He's, uh, you know, interacting and he's killing, killing creatures, all this kind of stuff. And uh, despite right. all that, you yeah. are still using the word. He's a witness to these things, you know. Right. Right. Um, and so I thought that part of the the prediction was maybe the most important part. Right. Yeah, I like it because, I mean, when he's going into uh, people's bodies, it almost feels like a simulation. So it makes sense that you would have went there. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, and certainly that appears to be what was happening to him. He was uh, or, or being overtaken or actually, no, being placed into these events yeah, in order to witness and slightly manipulate, but but largely... Well, actually, no, he, he was definitely involved because he was saving people in that first one when mm -hmm. they, when when he encountered those black midnight essence. Yep. The yeah. midnight essences. Oh, the, the way the way the way Brandon, Mr. Sanderson uh, described those. I remember really, really liking that uh, text for that. Yeah, it's great. So I'm going to give you a, a right score on this one because okay. um, you were right. He, he is witnessing the past um, through the help of. Uh, which we find out at the end of the book is the dead uh, almighty. So because right. of the dead almighty's uh, intervention, he is able to um, witness this, these events, which is awesome. Very cool. So before our next prediction, we got another uh, bonus here. <laughs> Episode 15, Jack asked Sean what Kaladin means when he says, uh, he has tried to challenge a shard bearer before. And this is where we get the infamous Where's Dunny? Now, this is where it starts. Episode 15. All right. Official Where's Dunny? That's All where right. the, the Dunny happens on 15. Eh? That, that is the question that, uh, that influenced uh, the Where's Dunny. <laughs> um, and so then right after that, um, this, uh, this one I thought was really interesting because it goes kind of to, uh, Jack's, uh, always thinking to the cinematics side of things. Oh, um, yeah. you guys are talking about, um, Zeth summoning his shard blade and that in the text, it doesn't immediately say, and this might be minus one for Sean, honestly. Oh, well, uh, I'm not being great <laughs> here. <laughs> um, but he, it says, uh, Zeth summons, his, Zeth summons his shard blade. Mm -hmm. um, and Sean specifically points out that it doesn't say he waited 10 heartbeats to summon the blade. Um, and Jack predicts that because Zeth is uh, closer to something akin to the dark side, it's quicker and easier to uh, do than 
you know, oh. someone like oh. <laughs> uh, someone that we've seen before that might be on the light side, right? Right. Uh, so a little Star Wars reference there. Right. <laughs> um, it's, it's quicker and easier. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then, a, but then a couple episodes after that we do see Zeth summon his shard blade again, and it does take 10 heartbeats. Right. And, uh, <laughs> and so I am out. Goes I remember that it. Theory. <laughs> I remember it because I, I remember finding it very weird that Zeth doesn't bring up 10 heartbeats. Um, so I found it very curious and I, I couldn't really fully remember if there was a difference um, because of who Zeth is. And so I, uh, I was, I, I had questioned it myself. So I'm glad that we, and it, we ended up finding later on that um, he does need to count ten heartbeats. So yeah, I'm right. glad that resolved itself. Right. <laughs> I'm so. still going to give you a wrong on that, even though I yeah. led you in that direction. No. <laughs> Sorry, That's fine. Dude. That's fine. No worries. <laughs> You're getting too many rights over here. <laughs> Can't have that now, can we? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the next one. Um, and this is where uh, your guys' uh, little headcanon fan fiction uh, starts, to, starts to come to life. Oh. Um, this is the first time Jack predicts that Kaladin will get the carpenters in the lumberyard to build the bridge in such a way that they can take no casualties. Awesome. Yep. Like a tank bridge. I, uh, yeah, I, I, I really, I really like the idea that they were first able to affect the carpenters in the lumberyard because they were in close proximity mm -hmm. and, they had to watch um, them they had to watch them train and and you know like the 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 carpenters i think had a, a bird's eye view really or like the or, or the first view of the changes to bridge four right so i am um, i think that to, to be honest as ridiculous as this theory is there is a nugget of truth here because near the end, when they're all wearing Parshendi carapace and they all have shields, the bridge has these poles and these hooks on the side where they can hang their shields. So yeah. someone had to do that. I don't think the bridgemen knew how to do that. Someone, maybe two specific right. carpenters did the work. I don't know. Right. I, I think that it's very plausible but we are going to put a not right. No, that's fine. Category on that one. That's fine. Yep. Um, Jack predicts that there is something wrong with the parchment. Uh, he says the enemy is not what they seem. And Jack predicts that the parchment are, are broken. Um, and that he yes. thinks that the light eyes or some other power have found a way to take advantage of them um, and almost, quote, break them like a horse. Hmm. Wow. Yes. Break. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, well, because, because of the way the Parshman behave, they, they, they are behaving like, like a broken animal, like in complete servitude, they don't speak. They don't speak of their feelings or their wants or desires. They're just, you know, sort of um, going along with this existence. And then yet you have this, these Parshendi um, with, uh, a, a vibrant military culture at the very least that's i think all i have to base it on um so yeah that's um that's really neat well and i think you had um you had kind of <clears throat> you had gone kind of two different ways on this you had either mm. said that the parchment something was wrong with the parchment and they were right. not in their normal state or something was wrong with the parshendi and they were somehow in a more aggravated state 
um, you had kind of tossed right. those two around, but I think right. what you eventually landed on was that there was actually something wrong with the parchment. With the parchment, yeah. Yep. Well, I and of course, and I think now, uh, having got to the end of the of the novel, um, it appears that some of that may be true. Um, in terms of the potential for the parsh for the parchment to maybe be void bringers, as Yasna was sort of indicating, right? That we had enslaved them. Yeah, they they definitely definitely something is wrong with the parchment and the enemy is not what they seem so that's right that part of it is definitely that right part of it's right yeah um and then the the part where the parchment are broken and that they were taken advantage of and broken like horses is absolutely definitely right as a whole the mystery of the parchment yeah. is still pending but you definitely get a right score on this prediction because uh. i mean you broken like a horse is like an absolute revelation that you said that really? so, so um yeah. the uh are the are the void bringers the parchment like is that something that i know from what yasna said to right it, exactly yes she tells them that her theory yes is that or her theory um, the, okay her that theory. the void bringers were tamed and subdued right and used as slaves Right. Okay. Right. So, hmm. so you have the answer, but not the reason. No. Right. That's correct. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Which is really interesting. Uh, here we come to the next really, really uh, big <laughs> one. Um, cool. This ep episode twenty-two um, is where we start. Is where we start talking about Yasna's Soulcaster. Um, this is oh. the first part where Jack. Your first prediction, Jack, is that Yasna's soulcaster, Shalon, Shalon is is stealing it, and you predict it's a fake. Shalon has the real one right now. Yasna has the fake one, and when she swaps them, Yasna's getting the real one back, and Shalon's taking the fake one. Yasna's ten steps ahead, and uh, right, and and so this is a great prediction until like I love. <laughs> sorry go for it i i love that prediction so much i really really do the the best part about it is so two episodes later yeah in episode 24 uh we get some of shallan's inner monologue and she's thinking what if yasna already swapped the real one for the fake one and i just swapped <laughs> them back and yeah and she's 10 steps ahead of me and so literally the thought that was in your head yeah you know, it was four chapters before is in the text. Yeah, it's in the text. And, and in Shalon said, okay, that I didn't really uh, pick up on that per se. Um, I, I remember reading Shalon's impression, but I, di I didn't connect it to what I had said in, a, in the previous episode. But I have to admit, I mean, similar to my Amaram thing, like I, I just want, I want what I want, I guess. And of course, uh, I, you know, I can't, well, I can't want what I want. Um, I want Yasna to have been ahead. I, I really do like that she would have been ahead of the whole game uh, with with Shalon. And uh, of course, that's not uh, not how well, it turned out. And the, the best part about that is, I mean, not the best part or maybe the worst part. I'm not sure. But, uh, <laughs> you know, you still don't know really what the answer is at this point in, right. in your recording episode 24. You you haven't found out what the real deal is yet. No. But the fact that Shalon is, has this thought kind of makes it, obvious that that's not actually what's going to happen right like right, so right, pretty right. much without disproving the theory kind of makes it pretty 
pretty unlikely. Right. Yeah. So the grading on this one is tricky because part of it's right, part of it's wrong. Um, Jack it's, predicted that uh, that Yasna's Soulcaster was a fake, right? That's but correct. That, but that she but that turned out it. right. It turned out real. It turned out true. But your prediction was that she was wearing the fake because she had already swapped it with the real one. Right. So I think it sort of cancels <laughs> each other out. There's a right and wrong thing here going on. Okay. Okay. We've got another uh, another cancel out. <laughs> yeah. Cancel out. Okay. I'll I'll take it. I'll take it. But again, I just my girl. Uh, she's, uh, I, 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 I really, I don't know. I, I would have bet the farm on that prediction that she was ahead of Shalon with regards to the theft. And again, Sanderson surprised me there because, uh, you know, um, he surprised me by having such a competent woman as Yasna. And so it's almost like it would be a natural thing to think, well, no, no, she's, she's ahead of Shalon and that's going to be the thing but no 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 she 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 was duped and that's that's almost more more interesting it's a little more um uh well as un, unpredictable i think for, for me anyways mm-hmm. well and when you really when you really start thinking about it um you know <laughs> if if that was in fact a real soul caster mm-hmm. yasna would put a lot more stake in protecting and paying attention to that soul caster, right. but because she doesn't need it, and it's really just a guise to convince people of why she can use this soul casting right. power, she's not even paying attention to it because it doesn't right. matter to her aside from a disguise, right? A, a disguise for her power. So, right. um, you know, if it was something important to her, she would have been ahead of the game, I believe, because I believe Yasna is one of the most intelligent people in this in this yeah. series. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But because it's not important to her, she doesn't she doesn't even give it a second thought. And also because Shalon is so masterful at uh, arts and crafts, she's she, she gets out the glitter glue and, and, the, <laughs> and the, and the, the, the sparkles and the, you know, all that, all, yeah. the, all the tchotchke and she, her, makes, her soldering iron. Yeah. <laughs> it makes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking of like, I'm thinking of uh, what's uh, the Jim Carrey's the Grinch movie where, where he makes uh, a, this little girl in it or something and some, awful thing some angel made out of uh you know uh paper mache uh, a, and a, a colander and, and yeah 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 <laughs> here's here's this map but i mean that's the thing about shalon right so both of these women are so capable it just so happens that shalon is also really good at art and right. and that deception not only was she was yasna being deceived by shalon's um i guess her guys her uh her um her, her disposition, but also deceived, you know, physically, like, you know, by making a fake uh, Fabril that looked so much like the one Yasna had, Yasna didn't, didn't, uh... but I think, I think Joel, you're right though, too. If it had been a real Fabril, Yasna might not have uh, uh, been so easily uh, duped. I would it. also maybe pose this question. And if Shalon was merely trying to pretend that she was interested in the things that Yasna was researching and doing. Right. Um, that maybe Yasna wouldn't been, have been so, so duped by Shalon's guys. Right. Because mm-hmm. we realized that she, that Shalon, this is what she actually wants to do. So, to so much so that she has a hard time leaving when it's time for her to go. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, she's almost not even being tricked because Shalon feels that way. Right. She just happens to have this ulterior motive as well. Um, right. So it's, you know, 
I'm, maybe I'm just defending Yasna too much because I'm a big <laughs> hey, Yasna fan as well. So. Yeah. Uh, hey, Joel, I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with <laughs> hey, you, buddy. Hey, get a room, guys. <laughs> uh, so right, what's so, the next one we got here? Uh, so, uh, so then the, the next one ties into this, but uh, okay. is, is much more impressive um, because there is a point in that same episode that Jack says, well, what if Yasna doesn't even need the soul caster to soul cast? Right. I remember positing that, but I don't, but that was off the cuff. I don't remember thinking anything specific about it. Oh, just that, you know, that along with the revelations that were happening with Kaladin, that maybe other characters would also start revealing that they didn't require contrivances necessarily to, to do their special abilities, but rather it was like more innate, more, more sorcery than, mm-hmm. than wizardry. Yeah. I, I just remember being like kind of impressed by this one based on where we were in the story when I was listening. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought, man, that's, that's a really astute observation and prediction to have based mm-hmm. on where we are in the story. So um, that was a well, really good prediction. I well, do I, get, do, do I get points for that one, guys? You get, you get an absolute point for this one. This is yes. a, one of your better predictions <laughs> that uh, she doesn't need the soulcaster to um to to, to soulcast um Sweet. i i think i remember actually trying to veer you away a little bit and give you some um you would because you were that. well not to veer you away because i don't really want to lead you away from something you're thinking right but i gave i posited some other evidence that sh- that was contrary to what you're thinking and mm. that evidence was in there put by mr sanderson so i I was just extrapolating it for my own needs and uses okay yeah you get a point for that one all right um so we're getting towards the end here uh we've got a couple couple that i recorded and then a few that uh sean has given me so um the next one uh jack uh predicts once once he learns that dalinar um you know, uh, is, has some knowledge about the, uh, about the old magic and stuff like that. Uh, he mm. predicts that the memories of his wife being, uh, erased or not there, or you, he, he can't remember anything about his wife. Um, he believes that that is the curse from the, uh, that the old magics gave him his, his boon and his curse. That's the curse side. Right. And this is, this is good because, we learn later on in the, the, the last part in part five, or not part five, but part four, okay. that we know that the, the, the absence of his wife is due to the Night Watcher, or the boon and the curse, but we don't still know which one is which. We don't know if it's the boon right. or if it's the curse. So I'm going to give you the point on it, even though it's still pending because we don't fully know what transpired. We'll just say um, pending. We'll just Zeller. say pending. Okay, so pen, penny. All right, we got two more quick ones. Okay. Um, okay. The uh, the next one, Jack thinks uh, that Esh and I is the name of the Parshendi shard bearer. Um, right. Yeah. Isn't that right. right? Yeah. Like in Shadesmar, Shadesmar was the title, but never mentioned in the chapter. And in the chapter Esh and I, it was the name of the chapter, but never mentioned again in the chapter. So um, this goes firmly into pending. It's a great prediction, but it goes into pending because we still don't know. Because we don't don't even know what that word means. We don't know if it's, we have no idea what it means. Okay. All right. right, Well, 
it was the title of the chapter and then there's this big guy right like that was right. the that was why i mean it just seemed to make sense but yeah the very last one here um jack predicts that kaladin and bridge four will or uh, will not join up with dalinar wow right. yeah i i that's wow. in uh, that's in episode 40 so yep. that's really close to the end yeah um, so I, we're about wow, to eh? i got I that one like wrong around the time when <laughs> um when cal and the bridge four look like they might be getting away right right well because uh the, the way sanderson was right i remember caladin's thoughts were look i've got my men like my mission is clear their safety Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we pulled this off. Sadius has booked it. This is the perfect opportunity. We're lagging behind. We can disappear. Like this is it. Right. And, and in that moment, I really, I don't know. I, I guess uh, when I was reading it, I thought, Oh wow, this is it. Like he's, he's taken off. Like not the wretch was taking over just, just that life is hard and life's been really hard. And why should I stick my neck out? Even though, even though Dalinar and Adeline do seem to possess the qualities that I'm looking for, the qualities mm, that I was still light eyes. They're still light eyes, you know. And and I even remember, I seem to remember in the text, Kaladin was having that very thought. Yep. So, and there's a mo- and the moment that it changes for him <clears throat> is literally my favorite moment in the entire book when Syl says, I know what I am now. I am honor spren. She right. says are winds spread attracted to the wind or do they create it? Yeah. they're attra- And then she says, I know I'm giving myself goosebumps right now. I know. She says, I know, I know <laughs> what I am now. I am honor spread indicating oh. <laughs> that she could substitute that and say, are do honor spread? Are they attracted to honor or do they create it? I'm I got, I'm full of goosebumps right now. Well, actually, I love oh, it so okay. much. well, I, I, it's, it's not a prediction, but what do you think? What was, was still, did Syl realize what she was and able to understand herself because Kaladin was about to do something honorable that, that the, the honor, like the wellspring in him was happening. And then she think, knew what she was. I think it's the was. reverse. I think ah, it's the reverse. I think yeah. he was about to do something dishonorable. Right. And she realized who she was hmm. because they were about to leave those men to die on that plateau. You've well, heard you've heard Sil say a couple of times when Kaladin tries to do something shady, uh, you know, she says, I don't really like when you do that. I don't like right. when you lie. I don't like right. when you right. You know, yeah, she says something like it feels honorable, wrong. feels wrong. Yeah. So Yeah, that's that's awesome. Um but. yeah, so I think that uh that one's wrong because they definitely he definitely does join us. <laughs> I, I, I totally got that wrong. <laughs> I, I, I totally got that one wrong, um, but that's okay. So let's let's see the our final scores here are um, wrong is seven, uh, right is ten, oh, and oh. pending is thirteen. We have thirteen things Ooh. left over from the book, the first book that still have need have need answers. That so. could really affect Man. my score uh, yeah. once we're finished. Words of radiance that could really affect my score. You know what? Uh, you know what's not ra- a wrong is uh, the fact that we had Joel on our show. Thanks a lot so much for coming on, Joel, and presenting this list of yours. It's really cool, man. Yeah, it was it was a great a great uh, a great chat, dude. Like I really appreciate you coming on with us. And guys, and- I had a blast. Okay. Great. Well, thanks a lot for coming on, Joel. Absolutely, guys. Thank you. Thanks again, Joel. 
All right, we're back. Uh, so yeah, um, we are going to be doing a little bit of a wrap up here. Um, this is the season finale. Um, so I have a few things I want to get to, to you, Jack. I want to talk to you about a couple things here. Um, so first off, what was your impression of this book? What do you think, man? It's amazing. It's a really, really amazing book. I really, it absolutely exceeded my expectations in so many ways. Um, the world building is incredible. It's really great. It really is. So I really, really like that. I have um, being a, a dungeon master. horticulturalist and a dungeon master, um, dungeon and a dungeon master. Um, I really appreciate all, all the plants, you know, like uh, he really brought that alive to me. So any, like any, any chance he got, he increased the world building, mm-hmm. not, not only with, with the magical components or the metaphysical components, <clears throat> pardon me, which were fascinating. But uh, but the characters, I mean, the characters are amazing. They're so good. Yeah. Bridge Bridge Four becomes a character. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Yasna. I mean, what what I love about that character is is that she just embodies, um, you know, um, this wonderful um, yearning for uh, knowledge, and she's exceptionally beautiful. But I, I really like characters that are very strong and. And yes, they, they might have an appeal, like a certain level of attractiveness, but because they're so, you know, into their studies, they kind of, they kind of rise above right. that, you know what I mean? Um, so I really, I, I guess the word is I, I revere her. Right. So one of the things, um, can I but just again, piggyback uh, on that a little bit? I, I, I find a lot yeah, in, sure. in some of these uh, stories, you will have this character who's extremely beautiful, a uh, beautiful but they're also sexualized. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I find that Yasna's not. Mm-hmm. I find that, you know, Shalon and some of the other characters refer to her her beauty, but she's not sexualized. And yeah. I like that. I can I can appreciate the fact Me that too. this character is beautiful, but we don't see her as a um as something to be no. ogled. Do you know what I mean? Right. Exactly. Which I find well, I mean, I, I guess I find it refreshing, but I also find it um, much more interesting. I right, guess me is too. The way I would say it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, but like, so that character. I mean, all of these characters. There's, there's, there's so much to to say, Sean. I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm really blown away. The, the, the reading of the book, like the title of the book, right. that you're reading the book within it, mm-hmm. which I, which I mentioned to you, yeah. sort of harkens back to the never-ending story mm-hmm. kind of component. Like you're reading the book within, like. You know, I mean, it's not our story yeah. within it, but, um, but it, it, it reminded me of that sort of, um, thing. It made it more real and, um, and just the philosophy that's littered throughout here, all the big, the big questions, if big you will, questions. that are littered without to mm-hmm. consider H- huge. I mean, that's amazing. Uh, the book ending, um, the key tech, the palindrome components, um, Bridge for, okay. If I had to really, if I had to really, you know, put my flag in the ground and really stake a claim on on this novel, I think it would be this. uh, Brandon, Mister Sanderson, made me want to be a part of something where the worst was happening, and that was I wanted to be part of Bridge Four. Right. So I can't remember any thing that I've read where I want it to be in the worst place possible. 
Right. Or that I identified with characters in the worst predicament possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a very, at least for me, that was a very interesting way to experience much of this story, which right. was through Kaladin's eyes and, of course, through Bridge Four. Um, it's nice to be whisked away to other parts of the world. Of course. Um, of course. But I think, which is what the I interludes think that, are really that for. component... Right, like to take me to Carbranth and Pure hear the Lake bells of the cities, yeah. and like I mean, I mean, again, like the 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 this place is alive and vivid. It is, mar- I mean, just the 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 assassination scene, like yeah. uh, in the opening with Zeth, so visual, and to go right to magical world building right at the beginning, yeah. like that was a really, yeah, was really neat cool. visual for me. I was very mm-hmm. stunned by that. So. Yeah, I mean, my hat's off. I mean, I really, I really got to thank you. I mean, I've thanked you a bunch of times, but I'll thank you again for asking me to be a part of this uh, podcast, yeah. of this series. And then a big shout out to Brandon Sanderson for writing such an amazing Fantastic, novel. Eh? Yeah, he breaks the mold a lot. His, yeah. um, I find his, uh, one, his magical systems and all of his novels are just super unique. And um, this is, it doesn't mm. go without saying, he, you know, the, um, what Zeth can do, what Cal's starting to do, what um, Yasna can do, and she'll be teaching Shalon that. Uh, I, all these like magical mm. stuff is really, really, really cool. It's very unique. Um, I, uh, to, to, to say, you know, the art in it is so unique. You know, mm-hmm. it was the, when I first read mm-hmm. this book, it was the first time I had ever read something where a character in the story was drawing stuff around them. Yeah. And then I could see those drawings in the mm-hmm. story as well. It is mind blowing. Right. You know, there's a, there's deeper yeah. layers here that are, um, it's not just a novel, it's an experience. And I think I've said that before, but it really holds true. I think, um, but yeah, there's, so let's, let's get back to, um, I want to ask you a few things here about some of the stuff that we've, sure. we've kind of discovered together. So if the reader mm-hmm. obviously knows I am a, a longtime reader of the series. I've read this novel five mm-hmm. or six times. Now this being the sixth or seventh mm-hmm. time with you, um, <laughs> I never really truly tried to examine the novel. I just read it for its enjoyment. Right. But now examining it with you, it's mm-hmm. funny that our very first episode um, in episode mm-hmm. one, I think we say to each other, oh, this mm-hmm. is just for fun. We're not going to go into themes and uh, motifs and imagery. We're just going to read it and talk about what <laughs> did we, we say that? Yeah, we totally did. And, <laughs> and that, it turned wow. out that okay, we couldn't well. help but talk about <laughs> themes and imagery when we're really dissecting it. If you're just reading the book kind of a face value, you're just enjoying it. This is a really cool story. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But there's so mm-hmm. much going on here. So let's, let's talk about a few things that we've discovered so one of the major first things is this wind theme that uh, that you fell into when yeah. uh, shalon yeah. and both shalon and kaladin had this um shalon with the wind with the, uh, the boat and kaladin really because the boat clearly yeah. he had a wind yeah. spread and i use quotations because we find out later on that she's an honor spread right it's not but um, yeah. she is appearing as a wind spread so this wind is around him all the yeah. time Right. Yeah. The wind, the wind, the wind blows. Um, and the wind, I was hoping for more of a collide in, in some ways between Shallan and Kaladin, Mm -hmm. but, um, that didn't happen here, but, um, I just thought it very interesting, uh, as well as the other observation that we had at the very beginning, which were these, these Thalans that both had a hand in, 
in having these two characters get to where they were going to start this off. Right. We also discovered, too, that Risen, which is one of the interlude characters, her Babsk, yeah. her merchant uh, master, Babsk, right. uh, her Babsk, was the one who brought Zeth to Alethkar. So right. those are three right. Thalans so another connection. three separate main characters. Three yeah. Right. So yeah, it's I really like that yeah, too. Yeah, that's that's a really neat that's a really neat. But the, the with the wind thing, it just it kept it kept coming up. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was it was there with with Dalinar <clears throat> when he was, you know, facing eastward, you know, um looking at the shattered plains, it was it was throughout this 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 book um as this little um you know, not quite like a specter, like 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 not like not a haunting thing, just a gentle push mm-hmm. guiding these 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 uh, these characters along. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed that that part of this book for sure. The wind the wind was a big deal for me, and Syl was a huge yeah. thing for me. Um, talk about uh, sort of vivid imagery when she's battling the um, the death on top spren? of on top of Kaladin's chest, the death yeah. spren that scene is something again i'm 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 so hopeful that stormlight archives will be produced into something uh in my lifetime i'm sure i'm sure brandon would like that to be done as well um to be able to communicate this story visually um but uh yeah that's a really um, (laughs) i have to really i feel like i have to say to you that um every time you say the stormlight archive you plural or i make archive plural you say Stormlight Archives, and it's actually just Stormlight Archive. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, I mean, Archive. I don't want to like okay. correct Sorry. you or whatever. Like, it's not. No, I no. Just, I just no, realized right. that right. I've heard I you do. say it a few I times, been... and I, sh- I figured <laughs> the Stormlight Archives. Yeah, it's like the archives <laughs> of Stormlight. Yeah, it's it's there. There are there, maybe I'm hopeful that there'll be multiple. Stormlight. <laughs> maybe yeah. Um, <laughs> Brandon's like no 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 I, there's I only, only be one, one archive like, yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so then the next thing right. that we we experienced in this uh, book a lot was what Teravangian uh, really so aptly defined oh. at the end was you know I'm not I'm not over that Sean I'm not, not over, over that Teravangian no I'm not over that at all I really um, that's the that's the moment of this novel that has stuck with me in terms of like that uneasy feeling like the twisting I, of the I knife. can deal with the with the assassination of Zeth like I, I you know I, I can deal with this kind of twisted devotion to this stone and you have no autonomy and right. you do the bidding of your master like I can sort of get behind that even though it's it's grotesque um but Teravangian where it's just all deceit, duplicitousness. Yeah. Like, wow. That's no, that for me is a, is a, so <laughs> he, a very disturbing thing. So he, um, he says that he and Zeth are two men of one heart. And this line, two men of one heart yes. is really the yeah. description yeah. of what we've been talking about this whole time between Dalinar and Kaladin between and right um to me this is one of the great things that i sort of stumbled upon rereading this novel with you is i started really looking mm. at these themes between these two characters and started realizing there's more going on here than just these two separate characters and um i love how these two parallel characters 
eventually end up mm-hmm. in the same lane together now. And yeah, um, yeah. it's it's exciting. I can't wait to read the next books and start seeing it with that eye now. And um, so this is one of those right, things where I have to right. say thank you to you for doing this because I never would have seen this <laughs> in this novel if I hadn't reread right. it with this critical of an eye. At the right, beginning of the, right. uh, the series, at the, the beginning of the, the season, I said, I have to put my jack hat on because you came up with this wind theme. And I'm like, fuck, man, I can't let him up me like this. I got to, I asked him to be on this podcast. I got to fucking, I, I really got to step right. up my game. Well, I, I had to get you, well, you got to bring, yeah, you got to bring, bring my A game. game. I mean, we're, we're, this yeah. is serious stuff. We're, we're, we're covering the Stormlight Archive. Oh, there you Ooh. go. Ooh, nicely done. But he really, can, he can do it. Such people. a, he can such do a it. lot of fuss over a few extra S's. Yeah. <laughs> There's no fuss. There's no fuss. There's no, no fuss. fuss. No okay. Fuss. No um, fuss. So yeah, um, the other thing that you pointed out that um, was really heavy in one chapter, but also spread out mm. to more chapters was that things are not always that they seem. And one of the really great examples right. of that was that you had said that the ba- ba- uh, the banister inside Carbranth was wood that had been soul cast into ivory and you could see the wood grain underneath. Right. And, um, it was yes. kind of a, like emblematic for this whole book. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I really, and, and of course with the reveal of, uh, of Teravangian. Uh, yeah. I mean, and maybe it was there the whole time. Maybe, maybe the book was telling us the entire time things are not as they seem. I am going to proceed very cautiously into words of radiance now right. that I've, uh, but, but at the same time, perhaps I shouldn't, um, because it is nice to be caught off guard, um, and, and to be genuinely surprised. Yes, of course. I agree. So, and, but, but, to, but despite all of my, um, predictions and, and hopes and yearnings for these characters, Brandon, Mr. Sanderson still managed to surprise me and exceed my expectations for sure so, for sure um one of the things uh, that you brought up that um yeah. you brought up several times in covering this book was the weight of the bridge yes the weight the weight yes in, encumbrance it's funny being a D fan i have to almost say like is you know, I, I I almost have to wonder if Brandon was thinking, I'm going to bring encumbrance into my novel. <laughs> yeah. Like, all like those I, coins I, you're holding, you're not going to be rules, able to carry them. Like, yeah, like the second edition <laughs> yeah. rules of encumbrance. Like, you know, I, I want, you know, because, I mean, the weight almost is another character. Right. <clears throat> and it's not just the weight of bridge of the bridge itself, but it's also what many of these characters are carrying with them as we all do. Right. Responsibility, guilt. Right. Yeah. Yasna is feeling pressure. the pressure of discovery right. and Shalon is feeling the pressure of her family. Yeah. And, and clearly, and we find out at the end of this book, she's also carrying around guilt. We find <clears throat> out that she right. killed her father. The death of her father. Right. Well, I'm still I know. reserved on I that know. De- because... The devil's in the details. I know the what you're thinking. The devil's in the details. Yeah. So... The circumstances upon her father's death matter. Right. She may very well be responsible right. or even And even if it guilty, was accidental, she would still feel guilt, right? So correct. you're right. People are carrying around this weight. And you said it in one of the episodes a long time ago. Um, you said mm. the chapter Bridge 4, that very first Bridge yep. 4 chapter, yeah. wow, wow, literally yeah. stuck with you for chapters and chapters and chapters. Oh, yeah, for sure. 
And there's well, moments. It, it, it gives me goosebumps just thinking back, going back in time to reading that for the first time. Yeah, to the kindly um, man, old man who gave Cal his vest and sandals that Cal yeah. still wears near the end. Right. Was still wearing them. Yeah. And remember, like, there's that part yeah, near the end where really cool. the men are carrying the bridge almost as if it weighed nothing near the end. Yes. Yeah. You know, there's a there's a, a line yeah. where they says they're some of them are carrying it with one arm while they hold right. shields up with their other one. Right. The, the weight of that bridge has not changed. Right. The no. Our our fake carpenter friends have not made that bridge <laughs> lighter. Yeah, they haven't made it hollow. They haven't hollowed it out. I still like. Uh, you're right. I remember we had that theory, that little theory. Yeah. Uh, I love that. That's the, one of my favorite parts of us. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's it. You, you read, you read, and extrapolate, and hope uh, as you read the text. At least that's mm. what I what I do. And um, <clears throat> um, you know, you're right. The 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 encumbrance is definitely alive and present in this in this novel. And um, it's um, I wouldn't I wouldn't have it any other way. It, right. it, it at, at times it did get difficult. I must admit the the weight would still be there when you thought that it should be uh, lifting. Right. And it was still there. Like right. Br- uh, Brandon, you know, would remind you, no, 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 this is still right. really bad. And you know, the tool he um, used to remind us mm. was the wretch. I feel yes. like the wretch was the yeah. tool that yeah. he used to remind yeah. us how heavy that yeah. bridge was, how heavy yeah. the weight that Kaladin's carrying is. Um, right. We don't find out until later why Tien's death, mm-hmm. the death of his men because of Amaram, all this stuff. When we're experiencing it through the book, we're not really, we're not, we don't have any knowledge about why he feels this way. But um, yeah, the wretch was that tool that he used to kind of make us feel it. Yeah, I think, I think you're right about that. I mean, the presence of the wretch always made it heavier. Right. Right. It was when Kaladin believed in a future and had some semblance of hope right. that the wretch was, you know, put at bay and you could get on with the day and you could have a little bit of levity maybe. Right. Um, you could have uh, Brock I mean, Stewart on the fire. You know, like even to the, I mean, another theme or maybe, you know, an overarching idea I think for this book is names matter. Right. Like we're not just nameless beings. Mm-hmm. You know, no one is. No, it's true. I really, really like that. It has yeah. a great, uh, um, has a great deal of respect for life, I guess. It mm-hmm. would be a, uh, um, another theme uh, in this, in this novel. So, yeah, I mean, I'm gushing. It's, it's, it's just, an, it's an amazing novel. I, anyone yeah. I meet or talk to uh, for the rest of my life, I would uh, highly recommend that they take this uh, this journey. Mm-hmm. The last thing I just want to bring up is we also discovered that Brandon, Mr. Sanderson, I don't use that <laughs> moniker very often, but um, he seems to use this um, two to three part reveal where he'll introduce yep. a little bit of information like um, half shards or fabrials. A character mm-hmm. will say the word fabrial. Doesn't mm-hmm. tell us what it is. And then the right. next chapter or two chapters later, we find out what a fabrial is. And then two chapters later, we see one being used without any need for that character to tell, to tell us what it is because the last two or three chapters told us about it. So I really like this. I think it's a really, I think it works really, Mm -hmm. really well in this novel. 
No, you're right. I mean, I think we were trying to see things in threes too. Eh? Like we were mm-hmm. looking for these sort of triplicate reveals. Right. Um, and they didn't always not, work in threes or in twos. No. But no, they no. were they were there. That's there was definitely some some usage of this, which is nice. Mm. This is the yeah. um, the George Martin um, uh, planting of seeds. You know, you plant a seed, you let it grow. He's a gardener more than he is a whatever the the, the, the line is from one of his interviews. But I think that Sanderson is more like a, Sanderson's more like a, <laughs> that meme of what's his name uh, Charlie from uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, where he's standing and there's like the the, the conspiracy board with all the yarn and stuff like. Right. I, I think that's more <laughs> Sanderson's style. Well, he, I mean, the, I mean, the seeds, the seeds are in this though. Oh, like, for sure. You know, like. Yeah. Um, the rock buds are, are planted. The rock buds are planted and uh, yeah. And it's, and those roots are, are grabbing some creme. Um, yeah. I mean, th- this, uh, this book I think is, um. I guess I'm. I'm just. I'm very excited to get on to reading uh, Words of Radiance and guess seeing what, where, where where it goes with you, these. Guess what? What you can, can start. as soon as we're done here, you can start reading the next two chapters of Sweet. Book Two of the Words of Radiance. Okay, well that's very exciting. I'm glad yeah. to have new homework to do. Let that's me just great. look it up here just to make sure that I'm not telling you like jumping the gun or whatever. But yeah. you can read. Hold on, let me see here. Um. Ba-ba-ba-ba. Where are my books? You can read Words of Radiance. Let's I can read the um, entire thing. Oh, part one. There's a prologue. Mm-hmm. You can read the prologue. That's it. That's it? Episode one is our prologue. Episode one will well, be our prologue. It'll be our, hey, we're back. Here's the prologue. It'll <laughs> be a short a episode. And uh, yeah, that'll be the first one. And then we'll, we'll, uh, I'll take a look at all the stuff. Well, well, if I'm to put to you then, so you asked me, we discussed all these themes that are throughout and yes, we've made connections to all kinds of things. And what, so what with, what is it with you as a multi-reader of this thing? Um, what, what is it about the way of Kings that resonates the most for you? Hmm. That's a big question. Um, are you asking me my highlight of the book? <laughs> sure, I guess. Yeah. Um, I think what the thing that makes me feel the most feels is these seemingly sad characters who are still going on. Kaladin's lost his brother, lost his friends. He's still walking one foot in front of the other. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about the journey, not the destination. Um, Shalon ha- is having to do something she doesn't want to do by stealing from Yasna. She's clearly coping right. with her um, her uh, her father's death, regardless of whether or not she was involved. And she's still moving on. Um, I I feel like we as people have a hard time putting one foot in front of the other. And, you know, we, you know, a lot of us suffer yeah. from depression and from sadness. And especially now in these times, it's really hard because, you know, we're stuck at home a lot. And But I, I admire how he's writing these characters who are experiencing sadness, but are still continuing on. And, I mean, when I first read this book, it was all about the action and it was all about the, the awesome scenes. And for me, 
in this book now, I, I enjoy more the soft moments. Like when Syl says, I know what I am now. I'm honor spren. Like I, you know, discovering who she is. She's been with Cal this whole time, ever since back in the old army days with Amram's army and her elation to finally know who she is. It's Mm -hmm. sort of all of us trying to figure out who we are, right? Like we're all, we're all just walking around trying to figure out who we are. So I really, uh, that's, that's a very, that's a very good point with regards to the characters. Um, one of my favorites is the, um, the relationship between Kaladin and his father. Mm-hmm. And there's a really, really touching moment between those two uh, when when Kaladin is really realizing the wisdom of his father's teachings. Right. right? It's finally sinking like, in. It's finally sinking in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Merging the, the soldier with the surgeon. Yeah, I think he says, I think the line is, <clears throat> Cal says, is that I've only one, known one man my entire life who was honorable. Right. And he's referring to his dad, right? That's when he's trying to convince yeah. the men that they have to go back for Dalinar. Right. And, um, yeah, it's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. It's really cool. What about well, you? What, like what's, uh, well, if you well, had to well. pick a highlight, that's your highlight is the Cal's relationship with his dad. Well, that's certainly, I mean, geez, I, I, I don't know how I could begin to give you a highlight for the book. Yeah. Um, you know, um, there's a lot that happens, so I don't, I don't, blame I, I guess you, I would, I guess, I mean, for now, I suppose my answer would be, would be that like what you were saying with regards to putting one foot in front of the other, the journey, I would, I would reiterate what I said with regards to, I want it to be in the worst place possible through much of this journey. Right. I you want, want it to be eating part, stew. I want to be a part of bridge four. I want yeah. to eat. You know, I want to eat, you know, terrible food or every once in a while enjoy a stew from rock. I want to be, you know, downtrodden and just keep picking myself up and inch by inch, you know, you get there. Right. You know, the great thing is, is that this book has taught us that we are all bridge four, right? We had that moment when we realized that, you know, every man in the bridge crews yeah. look the same. And I think there's a yeah. deeper meaning there that we are all bridge for. Yeah. And, um, yeah. yeah, it's very inviting. It's, it makes us, it makes you feel warm inside. It kind of does, but you're right about, you're, you're, you're right about the putting one foot in front of the other. Like what's always occurred to me is that, um, when it comes to solving problems, mm-hmm. like moving forward in life, you know, yeah. it's, ex- it's execution that's the that's the key right is the actually doing it actually putting your foot in front of the other yeah it's actually making those steps and the wretch will try to take you down in that yeah he will and it and it will try to prevent you from making progress but that that didn't stop kaladin in the end um exactly and uh and we all have a wretch we saw this this progression so yeah it was a marvelous, a marvelous novel. I can't, uh, I can't wait to, uh, well, do you, you have some words. reading to do, buddy. We better get I've to it. Some... Okay. Bye. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, uh, I just want to take a quick second to, um, sure. yeah. say thank you to the entire Patreon team. 
Um, yes, thank you guys so much. More and more people are signing up every day. It's awesome. We um, we can't wait to be talking with you all on Discord and and, and chatting about uh, this whole thing. Um, I just want to say a shout out to uh, Jake and John and Joshua yes. and uh, Casey, or also known as Mr. Murasami, uh, Don and Robert and Ari Zoo and yes. Bruce. <laughs> And Chris Papino, Papino, um, and uh, Phil, and uh, Mike, and Jack's wife Linda, uh, my mom, thanks mom, uh, um, and uh, Joel. Um, I don't think I've missed anybody else here. So, well, to um, all those that we've forgotten, yeah, we got everybody. Um, thanks everyone for uh, for supporting the show. Um, your generosity makes this thing work. We are actually able to afford the things that we can do and um, we can afford to give Mike money for all the crafting that he's doing that he's sending out to you and uh, we just really, really appreciate it. Um, if you want to be part of the Patreon team, you can go to patreon.com slash heroes of. Um, if you uh, want to support the show indirectly, you can always rate and review where you can or just uh, use word of mouth. That works best. Tell people um, that you like the show. That is one of the best compliments you can do for us is to try to get people to listen. Mm. We really love that. Um, if you want to reach out and uh, talk with us, you can go to do so at heroesofhakathra at gmail.com. Um, you can uh, hit us up on Twitter at Heroes of One. You can search for us on Instagram at the Storm Pod. Um, or you can just come to Jack or I's house and just knock three times, a uh, special knock <laughs> on the door and we will answer and say, who are you? Go away. But, uh, you will, it'll be, <laughs> it'll be a good attempt to try to get in our houses. Um, Jack dude, uh, season one is done. I, uh, or season, season three, one, season three, well, season really. three, but season yeah. one of the storm pod, season one of the storm pod. Yeah. Um, yeah. but, uh, it's done and we are on to the next one. Uh, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Uh, we love you so very much. Uh, until next time. Take care, everybody. Storm pod is brought to you by heroes of theme song by Jack Forrest productions. Additional music by Jason Moray. Produced by Jack, Jay, Phil, Mike, and Sean, the heroes of Hakathra. <laughs>